all right all right this is day 300 300 <laughs> welcome back to the windows and mirrors podcast my name is keith and remember this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the bible is more like a window than it is a mirror we come to it to see through it and to see god not to it to primarily look at it and see our sales i'm hyped because we are in the book of jew we are at day 300 i just want you i just want to uh thank you like everybody who's listening who's who's stuck it out who's dug in who's made it through man and um whether you came later early we are at day 300 and that's something to celebrate and god has been good right he's been teaching us so much i've learned so much this time through as we're working through the scriptures um day 300 and we're just gonna jump right into jew it's so much to get unpacked here um day 300 basically jew is one of the more neglected books of the new testament uh partly because of its size but also because of its unpopular themes of false teaching ungodliness and god's judgment on sin jude was one of jesus's brothers right so jesus had more than one brother and jude was one of them and his main point whole thing he wants to say is that these christians ought to uh be on alert and ought to resist the contamination of the gospel from false teachers right and this book sounds very similar to second peter and many scholars have pointed out the the various themes that kind of overlap between the two um and so we see that here but he uh gets at it from a very particular angle so he starts out and says uh the famous uh, verse jude 3 difference although i was eager to write to you about the salvation we share i found it necessary <laughs> to write appealing to you hear this to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all he says to keep it a buck with you i was originally going to write to you about the salvation we share but once i heard once i was hip to the fact that stuff was going on in the church i had to switch it up right and so he gives them this charge he says no no contend for the faith right and the word he uses for contend here was an athletic term right that usually had the sense of a struggle and a fighting for the faith. he says everything in other words i think what he's trying to say is everything in this life is not worth fighting for but the faith is <laughs> but the faith is right and furthermore he says this is a faith that is delivered that has been handed down to you once and for all he is he's not talking about one's personal faith but he's talking about the content and scope of christian teaching and revelation that is centered upon the personal work of jesus christ right and he says fight for the christian faith itself this is the once for all delivered faith the final authoritative revelation concerning jesus the king the good news of the kingdom and and everything that that, that jesus wants to bring and break into our broken world he says for some verse four people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth they are ungodly turning the grace of our god into sensuality and denying jesus christ our master our only master and lord he says folks and slipped in and these people are antinomians right antinomians is just a fancy theological word that means anti-law the word uh for the greek word for law is namas and so uh to be an antinomian is to be anti-law so in other words they were saying hey regardless of what the lord requires of us uh we believe that we can live any old way we want right god's moral demands and laws and standards have no bearing on our everyday lives right why because we're saved by grace right right and they were in the words of the apostle paul using their freedom as an opportunity for the flesh right and it's interesting i just find it funny that we live in a day and age where our bodies and passions for many uh, uh in, in the surrounding culture not everybody but for many in the surrounding culture uh we have become slave that they have uh, our bodies and our passions have become slave masters right people believe it is okay to be merely subject to our internal desires and and no one not even god <laughs> has the authority to instruct us to submit uh our, our desires our lusts and our passions and the beauty of the gospel is that Christ frees us, right? He acts as a liberator, an abolitionist to free us from such chains 
of the soul. And the crazy thing that Jude is saying, he says, these ain't cats in the marketplace. These ain't cats on social media. These ain't cats in the, the wider Greco-Roman world. These are cats that are sitting next to you in your Christ communities, right? In verse four, he says, they are denying Jesus Christ, our master and Lord. He says, our lips are not the final de determinant of whether Christ is Lord or, or not, right? Like it's our lives. It's, it's, it's not just what we say, however important, but it's the living of what we say that displays whether we really believe that Christ is actually Lord. And from here, Jew gets into the body of the letter where he's going to give Old Testament examples of this happening before. And the point of doing this is to warn, uh, to, to warn the church of these false teachers, but also accuse and condemn the false teachers with the very scriptures from the past. Right. And he says, no, 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 this has been happening. Right. Like we got to go back to the OT, the Old Testament. We got to go to other Jewish texts like the Septuagint or the Apocrypha as it became uh, as it became known, uh, later known to Christians or or the Pseudepigrapha, all these texts. And he's going to go in. And so in verse four, he's going to say their com their condemnation was written about long ago. Right. And he goes back to these texts. And it's interesting because, again, God is not going to provide a prescription where there is not an illness, right? So he's not going to bring this up for no reason. Verse five. Now, I want to remind you, although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved the people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. Here he is talking about God's judgment in the wilderness. And this very verse alludes back to uh, the Torah, right? The first five books of the Bible in places like Numbers 14 and Exodus 32, where we had Israelites suffering. Or Numbers 32, where Israelites were suffering from a willful spiritual Stockholm syndrome, right? After God had liberated them from Egypt, right, and taken them out of bondage, they actually wanted to go back. And so God gave them what they wanted. And I think the thing we learn is he's trying to say to this church and he's trying to say to us that just because folks seem to belong to the covenant community does not mean that they will actually make it to the celestial city, right? There are some among us, right? who will not make it, who, who, who are actually false teachers, right? And we can tell this by their false living. But the dope thing, though, is this, that even though the first generation dies, what does God do? He raises up a second generation. If you remember the story in the Torah, he raises up a second generation so God can fulfill his promises that he made to the fathers in spite of sin and human rebellion, right? I think God's goodness has to be remembered in the midst of such difficult text verse six comes verse six comes and he alludes to uh, genesis chapter six in this uh, uh non-biblical book uh ancient jewish text called first enoch which serves as this type of commentary on the biblical event that took place in genesis six and here he speaks of the angels that fell from heaven whom god is keeping for judgment right and this word keeping he's going to keep using this this word for keeping all throughout the book um and it's going to be very very key and he'll use it in very significant ways but he says they are kept now for judgment right then in verse 7 he'll talk about sodom and gomorrah and how they according to genesis 19 underwent the judgment because of their sexual immorality and perversions right and this was such an event right we remember that was so uh huge that it became kind of a type scene for later events talking about god's judgment in the old testament so he makes the point here in verse 8 in the same way these people relying on their dreams defile the flesh reject authority and slander glorious ones Right. He says in the same way, they're doing the very same things. Right. And Paul is saying, or not Paul, <laughs> Jude is saying one of the main ways we've been in Paul so long. 
uh, one of the main ways we can clearly see false teachers is in the way in which they stray from scripture, right? So he mentions here, that these teachers were relying on their own dreams and revelations that were not intrinsically tied to what God had delivered and handed over once and for all. Listen, heresy and false teaching always starts with the small denial of the sufficiency of scripture, right? It always comes back to a denial of it, right? And it's, it's a prioritization over what I think God has revealed to me over what he actually and truly and historically has revealed to us, right? Verse nine, he goes into another uh, post-biblical Jewish writing and he says, uh, even Michael, an archangel, right? Didn't speak wild to the Satan about what to do with Moses's body. Why does he bring all this up? He, he brings up this really weird story and it goes back to the garden as well. But he's basically uh, really, really in these texts. He knows these texts really, really well. And he assumes that his audience does as well. What Jude is saying here is that no one is a law unto themselves, right? He uses this text to provide an illustration to say that nobody other than God has the power to set and enforce the scales of morality of right and wrong. The angel didn't even do that toward the devil. He let God do it. And thus here we have cats trying to define right and wrong for themselves, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden with the devil, <laughs> which is very interesting, right? And um, man, he's, he's saying the sinfulness of man is seen uh, not only that he desires to be the final arbiter of truth, which he often does, but the, also the final arbiter of morality. It's not that we don't we don't want to follow God's rules. It's not even that we don't want to follow an alternative set of rules that aren't God rule, God's rules. The problem is we want to make our own rules, right? We want to define right and wrong for ourselves and not submit to divine wisdom, right? It's a wisdom problem, right? We believe that we are actually wiser than God, even if we never say it. Right. Verse 11, he mentions three more examples, Cain, Balaam and Korah. And the main point that these three stories are trying to bring out is that heresy and apostasy love company. Right. Cain murdered his brother violently. And what happens? He builds a city where further violence continues. Um, and many uh, uh, late ancient Jewish, Jewish texts outside of uh, the Bible would, would talk about how the traditions believe that uh, Cain was thought of as this great corrupter of humanity after the fall. It wasn't just Adam and Eve, right? And um, Balaam, right? Balaam, you remember the book in uh, the story in Numbers where he couldn't curse the people of God, right? This pagan uh, kind of uh, a sorcerer couldn't curse the people of God. So what does he do? He leads them into idolatry. Korah led and incited this rebellion against Moses and Aaron, and and Korah and all of his people people uh, were were ultimately yeah swallowed by the earth. The problem again though. With these false teachers is not just that they are deceived but they usually hear this they usually like all these other folks are influential <laughs> like that's the that's the sad reality is that the people who are uh leading and in, in, in the false teaching in the sensuality are usually folks who are influential right they they they, they lead in the deception of others in god's community they aren't nobodies right and 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 Jude is saying, like, you have to be careful and their influence can be the very thing that seduces you, fam. Like that can be the very thing, fam, that seduces you and tricks you and make you believe that they're actually right or they're actually authoritative. And Jude says you got to be on guard. You have 
to be on God. But the Bible, he said, no, no, the text been been at this. The text been on this. The text been on this. Right. He says scripture foresaw their rebellion. Right. And um, he says scripture foresaw their rebellion. And he moves on in verse 12. And he says, these people are dangerous reefs at your love's feast. And they eat with you without reverence. They are shepherds who only look after themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by winds. They are uh, fruitless, twice dead and uprooted. They are wild waves of the sea forming up their shameful deeds, wandering stars for whom uh, the blackness of darkness is reserved for ever. And so he compares them to all of these Old Testament metaphors, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Proverbs. He goes in and on, in and out and on and on, telling us that, um, uh, th that they are those who are self-absorbed, who only care about themselves, right? Not the flock. They are those who don't, uh, um, they're like clouds who intend to produce rain, but never it never materializes, right? They are folks who have strayed, wandering stars, who have strayed far from the truth, right? And again, this is just a warning and this accusation, and he is going in and in and in and in and in, in to show us that the scriptures provide better wisdom to live by uh, over and against their teachings. And he moves in 14. He says, it was about these, the Enoch, and the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, look, the Lord comes with tens of thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and convict all uh, the ungodly concerning all the ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way and concerning all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him. Here, he explicitly quote, quotes uh, an ancient Jewish book called First Enoch. And um, he's saying, forget all of that foolishness, right? Like that you heard about there being no judgment. There will be a judgment and a divine retribution for sin, right? And verse 16, these people are discontented grumblers living according to their desires their mouths utter arrogant words flattering people for their own advantage he says um you know we've talked a ton about their lives but here we also have to remember these false teachers will be judged for their words as well these folks who who grumble who do nothing but criticize everyone else and arrogantly boast in and point back to themselves these false teachers aren't those who who genuinely appreciate others right but they pay special attention to certain people to promote their own selfish ends, right? These are the people that we ought to be on guard against and also the people we have to be on guard from becoming, right? Like the, that's another missed element, I think, in this text is that it ain't just other folks. We always think the problem, <laughs> we always think the Bible, somebody said to me, we always think the Bible is about somebody else, right? Like we we have to remember that um, we have to take the, 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 the log out of our own eye before we can take speck of wood out of our brothers right we should always be checking our own hearts and pray that god would not allow us to become these kinds of people and he gives even more contemporary examples uh where he talks about you know peter and uh uh, uh, uh john and, and even you know jesus who who say the same things right like who said no no, no. in the last days cats is gonna pull up trying to deceive the flock that's just a fact right like you just have to understand that Right. And to be aware is half the battle. Right. Most of us ain't. We sleep at the wheel. You dig what I'm saying? Like we sleep at the wheel. Right. And uh, Christ is like, no, the text. Jude is like, no, we have to be aware. They're going to try to take folks with them. They're going to try to divide the church. However, nonetheless, the church is to build themselves up in the faith. We are to be united in prayer. We are once again to keep ourselves as that word again. Keep ourselves in the love of God as we wait for our blessed Savior to with return and one of the things jude is trying to teach us is that those who are kept for jesus christ will keep themselves in the love of god notice that those we are being kept but we also keep ourselves for the love 
of God. It is something God does through us and with us, but never again without us. Right. And we long for and we wait for the second coming of Christ where there will be no more deception. Right. And, and Jude will make this subtle distinction at the end between those who are guilty of openly and willfully propagating false teaching and sensuality against the Lord Jesus and denying the Lord Jesus. Right. And right. Those people. And then the, then the other people who have been deceived by those people. Right. And he says, yo, yo, yo go after the ones who've been deceived. No, no. Snatch them from the fire. Right. If you smell smoke, <laughs> check in with somebody. Right. Like if, if, if you if you smell smoke, call somebody. If you smell smoke, pray for somebody. If you smell smoke, say a hard thing to somebody because we got to snatch folks from the fire because it could be you. It could be us. Right. It could be me. Right. Come snatch me. Listen, I'm giving you permission. Snatch me from the fire. Right. Because any of us could be caught in the crosshairs. And, and, and we in Jude's vision is that we would stay focused on Christ. Right. And, and, and if we do, Jude seems very confident. And I think uh, uh, the scriptures give us confidence that the Lord is able to protect you. Right. And present you blameless before him. We are to rely on the power of God, but not at the same time neglect our own responsibility. Let's play. God, we ask for your grace. We need grace. We know this is grace from beginning to end, but Lord, we pray that we would keep ourselves in the love of God. I pray that we would just understand and beware of the false teachers that may be among us. And we, we pray, God, that we would be one of the false teachers that false teachers that are among the flock. Give us the grace to remember your truth. Amen.